Welcome to the podcast, All My Friends Are Therapists. My name is Annie Kendig, and I'm a licensed mental health professional. And although I have my own therapist, my friends always end up filling in the gaps. Each episode will be real talk mental health topics with a licensed mental health counselor who turns all of her friends into therapists. Today's topic is anxiety, and my friend Erin is in the hot seat. Aaron and I have been friends since college, but I didn't even know that Aaron struggled with anxiety until a few years ago at her birthday party. Aaron pulled me aside and told me that she hasn't been able to sleep and was having regular panic attacks. Since then, she's been working on befriending her anxiety, and she's even named it Spike. Here is this week's episode of All My Friends Are Therapists. Okay, welcome back to All My Friends Are Therapists podcast. This episode, we're talking about anxiety, and I have my friend Erin here with me. Hi, Erin. Hi. So Erin and I, like I said, have been friends since college, and slowly through the years have just been learning more and more about her experience and struggles with anxiety. And I don't tend to consider myself a very anxious person, so... When I talk with people who are very anxious, I really have to access something inside my empathy muscle that I um, that sometimes is a struggle. So that's why I'm so happy that Erin is here today to share more of her experience because I think anxiety is so prevalent today and also so relatable. In doing some research for this episode, I typed in anxiety into the Apple Podcast app And I think like 50 shows came up. Not even episodes, shows. Like entire shows written about anxiety. So I realized... anxiety. Right. (laughs) So we're going to do two episodes today. So this will be a two-parter of anxiety. And I realized that is just scratching the surface. So Mm Erin may have to come back for part three, four, five, all the way through ten. Yeah. Yeah? All of it. Okay, so let's get started today and just... Erin, can you tell me and everybody, um, when did you first learn that you had anxiety? So it was junior year of college. Um, I had a conversation with my dad. I had a phone call with my dad. I'd been having a lot of trouble sleeping. I had racing thoughts. I just was worried all the time. This sleep was the thing that was causing the most issues, you know, just going days on end with maybe an hour of sleep the night before and still trying to not trying functioning as, you know, a human being. I was, you know, I had friends, I was in a relationship, I was in school, I had, I had responsibilities, I had things to do and it just got worse and worse and it built up and I called my dad because I didn't know what to do. So, you know, when you're 20, call dad. And I told him everything I was feeling and experiencing. And he said, well, it sounds like you are, you have anxiety. And up until that point, I, I don't know what, like looking back now, I'm like, well, of course that's what it was. What else would it be? Right. But I'd never put a name to it. I'd never, you know, really thought about mental health up until that point in my life. Um, and he said, you know, it, it, I have it too. A lot of our family struggles with it. Everything you're describing, it sounds like anxiety. And I was like, oh. Okay. And then now what? So it was it was good to put a name, mm-hmm. name the beast, you know? Yes. Um, but after that, it, it didn't it, – that doesn't mean it goes away just because right. you know what the problem is. You can't fix it right away. 
do you feel like you kind of had these inklings of anxiety for a while and it just like came to a head or was it just like all of a sudden? It really was all of a sudden. Um, It was strange. I I had, you know, I was getting deeper into my major, which was early childhood education, um, which eventually I realized I I shouldn't have been in that major anyway. Mm -hmm. So maybe that I still think maybe that was part of it was doing something that wasn't actually, I didn't have a drive to do it, but still having so many responsibilities for it. Um, You know, like doing student teaching and having Mm -hmm. to be at different schools and all of that. Um, You know, it really, that it scared me because I I wasn't really sure that that's what I wanted to do, but I was surrounded by a lot of other people who were very sure of what they wanted to do, or at least they seemed like it. Ooh, you know, good distinction. Everyone yes. was doing well in their given majors, whether it was business or, you know, engineering or whatever. And so I was like, well, I just have to pick something and stick with it because that's what everybody else is doing. So... I thought this was something that I'd be well suited for. And I am, I mean, you know me well yeah, enough right. to know now <laughs> that I am, I should not be a teacher. <laughs> I should not be working with little children. <laughs> it is not, it's, it's just not for me. But, um, so when you said it, these symptoms kind of hit you all of a sudden at like college. So my therapy brain is going, okay, college, like what does that time in your life kind of signify? And the word adulting came to my mind just mm-hmm. because it's like very, I hate that Buzzworthy, term. Right? <laughs> I hate that word. Okay. Sorry. Why, why do you hate it? No. I'm, I, hate I it. don't know. It's just, uh, this is going to be a little tangent. I feel like people use the word adulting to describe things that is just normal life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the whole thing. But it's, but it's, it's the millennials that they don't want to Patting themselves on the back for functioning in society. <laughs> is, <laughs> how I see adulting. It's like, oh, I went and uh, bought a new bed today. Adulting. It's like, wow, neat. <laughs> Good for you. You had to do that, right? Yeah. Anyway, that has nothing to do with it, but. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Because I think the adulting kind of gets caught up in this, like, paying bills and thinking about money and where maybe you're not, or in the past, didn't have to think about those Mm -hmm. things. And now all of a sudden you do, Mm -hmm. and that comes with anxiety of just kind of like this, like, what do I want to do for my career? Mm -hmm. And now I have to make that decision, and I don't maybe feel prepared to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, those are adult yeah it's a huge feeling of inadequacy too Mm. um especially at that point in your life because you're being thrown into new situations which you should be that's how people grow but when you're comparing how you're handling well I was comparing how I was handling those situations um you know and how I my experience with them and if I was enjoying them or not to how other people are handling them and if they're enjoying them you know, if it wasn't on par with everybody else, I was like, something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. Uh, um, you know, and just on top of that, you know, it's not a very healthy lifestyle living in college either. You're eating crap food and drinking all the time. So yes. that had a huge play in it too. But it was mostly just like those external factors of here I am doing something that, I, that I'm telling myself that I need to do that I should be doing, which was trying to excel in school, in my major, and be, like, the best that I could at it, when I actually, it, I shouldn't have been doing it at all. But I just told myself that I should be. So this brings up um, kind of this definition of anxiety. And what you're describing mm-hmm. is a lot of times what I end up um, calling or defining anxiety when I'm with clients is, like, 
obstacles or kind of life events that are thrown at you that you feel are outside of your ability to cope or to handle. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned kind of inadequacy, those types of feelings, but Mm -hmm. can you maybe put more words to what anxiety feels like so that people know (laughs) like, oh, that's what this is? Oh, gosh. Um... It feels terrible. <laughs> um, it's your. It takes over my entire body. It really does, um, and not in a way that I can't control it, but in a way that you feel very outside of yourself. So it start obviously it starts in your brain with those racing thoughts, and with those racing thoughts, you know, then you're, you know, taking those shallow breaths. So you're not getting enough oxygen to the rest of your body. So you feel shaky and you feel tingly and you feel faint. And it's just, you know, if you can't get that under control, then inevitably panic attack. Um, But it also at times really felt like something was like sitting right here on my chest. It was, it was like something is clinging to me and like sucking the life out of me and I can't get rid of it, you know. And that's when I started to be like, I don't feel like myself. Like there's, there's you know, we kind of talked about how I'm, I'm not living in this moment right now because I'm so focused on all the things that I could be doing, should be doing, you know, what's going to – the anxiety that I'm eventually going to have in the future, you know, all of that. So it really just – feels like this thing that was just like clinging to me clinging to my chest and just like sucking the life out of me when I when I let it get far enough right so let's kind of move into when you knew it was really bad okay so how did you know that like okay this isn't just like normal every day I'm worried about a test coming up yeah you knew you had to do kind of something more um, that was probably, that, that was probably a senior year. Yeah. Um, I came home from student teaching one day, which was a horrible experience in itself, but I had the realization during that day and it was a sinking feeling that this isn't, I shouldn't be doing this with my life. And that scared me so much because then I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm halfway through my last year of college what I and I can't not put myself in this situation anymore because I'm so unhappy. What am I gonna do? And I came home and I broke down. I don't know if that was a panic attack that I had, but it was definitely like horrible anxiety. And I called my parents and I was like, I I cannot do this anymore. They had to come, you know, pick me up and I went home for a couple days. I hadn't been sleep I hadn't slept for like a week. Um so I was already feeling horrible. They took me home. I calmed down a little bit and then then I got like sick. I think I got like a horrible cold after that because of the toll it takes on your physical health too. Yeah. But that's I was <clears throat> I remember sitting in my family room. Um yeah, I'm lucky I have a really good support system, so my sisters were there too. Um and they everyone's sitting around talking just, you know, normally and I'm just like zonked out. And Laura, my sister, looks at me and she was like, what, what is wrong? And I, that's when I was like, I don't feel like I'm ever going to feel like myself again. I was like, this is, this is like really taking over me. I don't know what to do. So it was really, really scary because at 
that time, you know, you're, you don't have enough coping mechanisms, you don't have enough knowledge to know how to deal with this and that you can deal with it and that I did have this, the tools and the strength to actually, wow. you know, make it go away. But it was really, it was really, really scary. Yeah. I mean, I think this is now the several times you've mentioned something about like anxiety makes you feel like something's not right. And mm-hmm. it's not like something's not right with your circumstances or with things that are outside of you. It's something's not right with the inside yeah. of you. And it's like, Oh my God, how mm-hmm. crushing. Yeah. It was a really big problem a few years ago when I, when you and I, when I hijacked you at the brewery <laughs> and made you talk to me as a therapist. Right. Um, it was, there were a lot of things that had gone on before that, you know, I had tried to go to grad school and that didn't work out. I had, you know, some legal issues, yeah. if you recall. Um, I was between jobs, so that was stressful too, not having, you know, money. And uh, again, seeing all my <clears throat> my friends and my peers excelling in their own right, you know, and, and, and living a good, happy, fulfilling life, um, achieving their goals, and here I am. And I don't know what I want to do with my life. And that spiraled me into this horrible, dark place of, you know, what, th- th- things are only going to, like, thinking that things are only going to get worse for me. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, this is what's happened already. And it's your fault that all of this has happened. My fault. Like, it's my fault that all of this has <laughs> It's my fault that all of this has happened. So it's only going to go downhill from here. Right, because anxiety says it's your fault because and you don't have the capacity or the abilities to Mm -hmm. fix it. Yeah. And from there, you know, it was not, again, a horrible, you know, couple weeks of not sleeping. There were a couple trips to the urgent care. Mm -hmm. Um, There was, you know, panic attack and all of that. And eventually it passed. You know, I got the help that I needed to, but... That is that that is like such a pivotal moment. I remember it was a turning point with anxiety um, because I was sick of it at that point, and I was like, "This isn't going to be the thing that determines how I'm living my life and how I'm feeling every single day." <laughs> so I was like, "What are we going to do to to fix this?" I think that's huge because. <clears throat> Anxiety is really, really good at convincing you that nothing will change yeah. and that and that it's all outside of your control. Yes. But instead in that moment you're like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually gonna make a decision. The triumph of the human spirit. You oh. know? <laughs> yeah. It just got sick of it. It just I didn't want it to control so, everything. So where would you say you are now with your anxiety? I feel like I'm in a really good spot because, you know, because it's gone and it, you'll never, <laughs> yeah, you'll no, never experience it. Totally ever disappeared forever and never going to see it again. No, it's, um, it's still around. You know, I, I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm on medication for it and it, that has been super helpful. And sure. I know different people have different opinions about it, but I'm, you know, whatever works for you, do it. Absolutely. Um, I feel like now, whereas, when it first, you know, came around, it was the beast, you know, it was just, like I said, like sucking the life out of me and I was taking over everything. And once I 
realized, you know, this is going to go away. It's going to pass. This feeling is going to pass. Now it's, you know, it's, it's there, but it's not, it's my little, like, like I said, it's my little buddy. It just follows me everywhere. Right. Um, it's always it's always there. I'm like putting my hand next to me like there's a dog here or something. <laughs> I love it. It's so cute. <laughs> hey, buddy. It's a little black dog. Yeah. Um, and it. I know that it's there, but I don't. I don't worry about it as much because I've been through it already. I've gotten myself through it, and if it comes back around, I know that I'm going to get myself through it again. Wow. So that is a complete perspective shift and and really just this paradigm shift of like, okay, how can I make this beast, we keep calling it, Mm -hmm. which, um, side note, is a reference to this amazing book that I've been reading. Uh, it's, It's called Today, no, I'm sorry. It's called First We Make the Beast Beautiful and it's by Sarah Wilson and it's Literally, I think the subtitle subtitle is A New Conversation About Anxiety. And, oh my gosh, is it fabulous. But this paradigm shift of it's not going to go away. And my intention and my goal is not to make it go away. Mm -hmm. The goal instead is to say, okay, how is it helping me? Mm -hmm. How can I befriend it? So Mm -hmm. can you say a little more about how it helps you or how you befriend it? I think... um... One thing that that we've talked about a lot is the um, that what if spiral. The what if spiral. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like extreme thinking. Yeah. And it spirals me out of control. I get one bad thought in my head, and then it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And I don't remember who said it. Um, it was just a friend who told me that they heard this. But when you do that to yourself, when you have those what-if spirals and those extreme thoughts about something that might happen in the future that you're worried about, you're putting yourself through it twice. And that is so true. Yes. And I've experienced it so many times. Yes. Um, but you can't control what you're thinking. But the thing is... If you were right, if those extreme thoughts were right, if those what-ifs turned out to be true, when it does come around, when it does happen, there's a weird sense of relief. It's like, well, now I don't have to worry about it anymore right. because it's already happened. I've already worried about it, and then it happened. Um, Which my mind goes to, like, okay, I, I can see the positives of that as far as in those moments, you truly think that that anxiety has protected you from that horrible thing happening in the future. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe that's where you've kind of befriended it or that it's a good thing, but that at the same time, you're kind of doing what Brene Brown calls foreboding joy of like, you're quote unquote ruining the good stuff that you're feeling right there in that moment Mm -hmm. with worrying about the negative outcomes that may or may not even come to fruition. Yeah. So you're ruining kind of that, the mindfulness, the be here now-ness, enjoy, you know, smell the roses type of thing. Yeah. With, okay, this is all going to come crashing down and it's just a matter of when. And if I think about it hard enough and long enough, then I'll be able to figure out when or how or what, which is (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecies eventually. Absolutely. Like 
you know, I don't know if you believe in this kind of stuff or who believes in it or whatever, of just like, if you think about it enough, are you just wishing it into fulfillment? Yeah. You've said something like that to me before. You said, if you don't feel like you're good enough, eventually they're going to believe you're not good enough. Oh, absolutely. And I agree with that 100%. And that's trying to tell yourself that what you're doing is okay, that you are okay, that, that there's nothing wrong with you. That's the, that's the struggle. But, you know, it's you can't control the thoughts that cross your brain. You can control how you react to them, though. That's, sure. that's what the struggle with anxiety has taught me most, is I'm not going to be able to control these horrible thoughts that come to me, but I can control how I react to them and respond to them and how I tame them. I guess, taming the beast. So, (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, that what I've said before to you kind of comes back to this thought of whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Mm -hmm. So it really does start with those thoughts in your head, and that's maybe a more, like, cognitive behavioral perspective. Absolutely. But I think what you're saying, too, is, like, you have to be aware of those thoughts first, and that Mm -hmm. they're just thoughts. Yes. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that... They're true or they're fact or they are going to come true. Yeah. Okay, so let's switch gears into some techniques. What's worked? Like what have you put into practice that you would say has been most effective? That's a good question. And the thing that has helped me the most every single day. And that's it for episode one on anxiety with Erin. Next week we'll have a whole episode on anxiety techniques and we'll find out what single technique Erin uses every day to help with her anxiety the most. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.